This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, I talk with the only coach BYU women's soccer has ever had. She owns a bunch of conference titles, Coach of the Year awards, NCAA tournaments, has a massive impact on the lives of hundreds of women who have come through her program. She is Jennifer Rockwood. What's up, Jen? Oh, you know, just hanging out here at uh, BYU like I do every day. Uh, from the 90s to now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, actually, I, I came here, I came to BYU in 1985. 85. And I haven't left. And you haven't left. Go figure. I don't like much change, I guess. Well, so I just stay around. It's gone well, to say the least. Which it we has. Will dive into. I've been blessed, and it's gone It's gone really well. So I got a job at BYU TV as a student in 06 and sidelined women's soccer that fall mm-hmm. and have been following your program closely since. It's been awesome. So I'm stoked to be able to spend some extra time with you, which it's fun in season. Yeah. And doing games, it's uh-huh. another to get to know you. Yeah. So well, thanks. Be great. I'm not that exciting, you know, but I beg I'll, to differ. I'll just, you know, do what I can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're the oldest of five, all J's. Yes. All J's, yes. I have four younger brothers. How did that shape you as the only girl in a family of five and the oldest? Yeah. I think I started being bossy really young. <laughs> I bossed my brothers around. Um, and because I was pretty athletic, you know, I could I could outdo them on any of the sports stuff, too. So I think that probably shaped me. We are all involved a lot in sports. And so, yeah, I just think being, you know, a lot of times the oldest have a lot of responsibility um, to help out. Uh, a lot of babysitting, a lot of taking, you know, helping my mom. My dad traveled quite a bit when I was younger. So, yeah, I'm close with my brothers, still am. Um, and it was fun growing up in Lake Oswego, um, born here at Provo, in Provo, actually, at the hospital across the street. Were your parents at BYU? Yeah, my parents were at BYU. I was, I was raced in a BYU police car because my dad worked for the BYU police at that point, and my mom was taken over to the hospital and it had me. So they were here for about a year or two until my grad, dad graduated. And then BYU. you moved to Oregon. Uh, we moved up to Salt Lake, uh, I think Westminster. I remember learning to ride a bike like in kindergarten in the Westminster College parking lot. Okay. So we lived there. And then, yeah, my dad got a job in Portland. We moved to Portland probably third grade on and graduated from uh, Lake Ridge High School in uh, Lake Oswego. So, yeah. I love that area because I lived in Portland growing mm-hmm. up. My wife is from Wilsonville, which is just down the road. Yep, about not too five far. minutes. Yep. Uh, Lake Oswego is where the temple is. Yep. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful spot right off of I-5 if you're yes. familiar with it. Beautiful so. place. That's awesome. Are you the most athletic among your siblings? My dad used to tell me I always was. So according to him, I was. <laughs> did but, anyone else play anything in college or anything? Um, no, my brothers all did a lot of sports in high school. Um, and a lot of them did two and three sports. Um, my brother Jason played football out at Rick's when Rick's was still around. And they had a great football team there. Um, but no one else in college. Gotcha. So, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, I read or heard that you'd play this game on your couch where you would just put your hands <laughs> in and dig in yes. and they'd try and throw you off. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I did lots of things like that. I, I used to, we used to play football in the backyard too. And it'd be me, maybe and my youngest brother and try and get them to pull Against me down. The other three? Yeah. In the backyard. But yeah, I did have this thing in the couch where I just, I just like would get in there and, and they couldn't pull me <laughs> off. And so that means I kind of ruled the TV room. Yes. So if, if I too. wanted to be on the couch, it was my couch. And yeah. so again, I think I started bossing them around pretty early. And, you know, that's what you have to be as a coach. You, you have say, to be comfortable bossing people. 
And so, yeah, it started with my brothers. Was there a, yeah, was there a leadership element of like, okay, I'm going to organize this group. Yeah. I would like this to happen. Yes. It started as I think a so. sibling. Okay. I think so, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's funny how that works because it doesn't just come from nowhere. Uh, someone who wants to lead a group of people, that uh-huh. comes at some point before. You don't just show up and want to lead a group. Sure. Because there's pressure to lead a group. Yeah. You have to make decisions in a timely manner. It's your fault when it doesn't go well. Right. It's your credit when it goes well. Sure. When did you become comfortable with that idea of, oh, maybe coaching is something I love? Um, I'm not sure because, to be honest, I know, I know it, it sounds probably kind of lame for me to say that, but I'm still not very comfortable with it. I was always someone that, you know, I had friends that were pretty loud and fun and I was kind of the quiet one that hung out and just laughed and didn't do the crazy stuff, but just kind of was a part of it. And and so being in front of people and and that sort of thing is not where I'm most comfortable. That's wild. Which is wild that I ended up being a teacher and a coach. So, yeah, I don't know when I, I think probably the most time I had was when I was a club player here. You know, I, I came to BYU and I played soccer on the club team. And I think because I had probably a lot more experience growing up playing soccer than a lot of my teammates who were just kind of maybe picking it up. When I came out to Utah, it wasn't even in the high school yet. Really? Uh, yeah. In 85? In 80, yeah. And, and so, so a lot of the girls on the team didn't have, you know, they, you know, maybe didn't have a girls team to play with from the time. I mean, I started playing soccer when I was very young and basketball and softball and did all the sports on a girls team and back I would say in Utah if if the girl was playing soccer they probably had to play on a boys team Um, and so I think I just had a little bit more experience so I was a little bit better and I think a lot of times when you're kind of the better person player on the field it's a little bit easier than to to kind of be that leader and to try and get people doing stuff that helps you I mean ultimately as a competitor you want to be you know, one of the best on the field, and you need teammates to play well and to help you do that. And so I think that's probably where it started out was with my club days uh, at BYU. I mean, as a captain playing my junior and senior year, I was actually involved a lot in the scheduling. I had a different coach every year. We were extramural sports. Um, There wasn't a lot for us, you know, so if we wanted it to be somewhat serious, we had to make it happen as players. So I think that's kind of where I first started Having that, I was I was kind of leader and captain, I would guess, on my other teams, but not to the point where I was when I got to BYU. Okay, so you said teacher and coach. Yes. Have you? Are you talking about the teaching in coaching or teaching? No, I was a teacher for about six years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. What did you teach? At I, BYU, you said? No, uh-uh. At uh, Waterford. At Waterford, yes. which is a private school private in school? South uh, Sully County. Yeah, so originally Waterford was on 9th East in Provo. Oh, it moved. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that was actually my first coaching job, I guess, or experience. I don't know that it was a job. I wasn't, I mean, I maybe made a couple hundred dollars doing it, you know. <laughs> but my first experience coaching was a high school, Waterford. When was this? This was my senior year at BYU. So, so 80, probably around 88, 89, okay. right around in there. And this I. Before, so the, the six years from then to 95 yes. when BYU sanctioned. Yes. So you're doing both. You're doing yes. Waterford and you're doing club women's soccer yes. playing, getting into coaching, that kind of thing? Yeah. I was okay. a full-time teacher. Full-time teacher. What did After you te- I graduated. What did you teach? So my first year teaching at Waterford, I was a PE teacher, even though I didn't have any PE classes here at BYU, uh, nor did I have any teaching classes. Um, I was a, I was <laughs> so a, you just jumped in. I was a business finance major here 
uh, at BYU. So that makes sense. Sure, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I knew I, I played soccer with one of the girls whose parents basically ran and operated and started Waterford. Mm. So I was familiar with the school, and I had an opportunity as a as a student my senior year to coach. I mean to teach and coach. So I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade PE at Waterford and coached the high school girls team while I was finishing up, you know, with my senior classes in business. And I really enjoyed it. I really loved it. And then after I graduated, I didn't know quite what I was going to do. And Waterford was moving up to their main campus where they are now. And there was still a lot of people that wanted to keep a private school down here. So I had a chance to move up with Waterford and keep teaching or stay down here closer. And uh, they opened a school called Meridian. It's not there anymore, but it was there for a long time in the same place. Another private school? Another private school. Same, same people. A lot, a lot of actually BYU professors. It's where their kids were going to school. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just the, the extramural director asked if I wanted to coach the team the next year. So I figured that must be an answer to what I was supposed to do. Well, I think within two weeks, I got offered to come teach all of the PE classes at Meridian, K through 12 and coach the club team at BYU. So I thought, maybe that's an answer. That's a start. I'll give it a try and see what happens. And, and you did both? I did both, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That's awesome. So P- PE teacher. Yeah, I was a PE teacher. And then I did that for a couple of years. And I'm like, I enjoyed it, but I knew I wanted to do more. And I loved teaching. I loved being around the kids and the energy of the kids. So I went into our headmaster and said, any chance you'd let me try teaching in the classroom? And he's like, well, what do you want to teach? And I said, I don't know. I, I love history. And, you know, I can, I'm pretty good at math. I can give those a shot. So go figure. I ended up being a World Civ teacher and an algebra, pre-algebra teacher. How and were you? I don't know. It was pretty were you, fun. Were you hard as a teacher? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> demanding? For sure. Yeah. Very demanding. Yeah. Like you're a coach now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had fun with the kids, but I expected a lot out of them. Yeah. Tried to hold them accountable. You know, uh, a lot of... Um, teaching middle school, at least seventh and eighth graders, is classroom management. So I think that helped me uh, learn how to keep things under control mm, and yeah. help also know that I could, I could be a good influence on, on those kids and, and help them. You know, one of my goals was to help them enjoy learning and to learn to love learning and love history and love math. And, and that was a cool thing. It wasn't it wasn't just what some people do. They love math, but everybody could love math. You know, everybody could love history. And um, I ended up a couple of years after that being the supervisor over the whole middle school. Oh, wow. I also was Look the athletic you. director getting all of the high school athletics started at Meridian. So, yeah, I've done a little bit going. of everything. Yeah, look at you. Yeah. And you know it's a private school when you mention headmaster. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was a headmistress. Headmistress. First, Nancy Houston. I say Nancy Houston. Um, has been the headmistress. I think she just retired in 2016. Nice. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't for her, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. She what gave, was her name again, Nancy? Nancy Houston. She, Nancy she gave Houston. me a, an opportunity to coach high school with no real background other than playing and let me start teaching. And that's where it kind of begins. Yeah, that's where it all kind of started. Wow. Okay. Um, as a soccer player, mm-hmm. what position did you play? I was an attacking player. Um, high school, I played a lot of forward and College, I played a lot of attacking center mid, kind of where Kayla plays. Kayla Kuhn like to control the game yeah. uh, a, a little bit. Didn't have quite the athleticism or the skill um, that the girls have now. But I think back in my day, you know, for a, for a woman and an athlete, I, I was all right. I'm never su- super awesome in any particular sport, but I did quite well in, in most of them. Your dad said one time to you, 
hey, Jen, you're good at all of these things, but mm-hmm. you're not great at anything. <laughs> Did that? Yeah. I, I know Trevin Nell was told that by uh-huh. one of his coaches growing up too, where yeah. he said, oh, I've got to become great at something. Mm-hmm. Did you, as an athlete, uh, how did you take that? Because you could be mm. easily offended by that. Sure. It's also a compliment. Yeah. But it's like, well, wait, what am I great at? Yeah. I was never offended because I knew my dad was my biggest <laughs> fan by far. Uh, he loved bragging about all of us kids for sure. But I think what he was saying is, you know, I, I didn't I didn't hone in on one sport like like kids have to do today to really excel. They, they have to from at least in soccer from 9, 10 – they're pretty much, if they want to play college and kind of go on to, you know, higher level stuff, they have to really focus on one sport, you know. And I was fortunate I didn't have to. I was able to compete in, you know, I did four sports in high school. What were they again? Basketball So I did soccer. basketball and soccer were, were the ones I did all four years. Um, first two years I did softball and the second two years I did track because I did a lot of competitive softball during the summer. So I did competitive, you know, kind of elite type stuff in softball and soccer during the summer. So, what did you do in track? Um, I was a javelin thrower, nice. all state. All state, All state huh? in, in the discus and the javelin and you, in basketball and in soccer. Did you go down to Eugene for You track bet. Stuff? That's where we had our high school state track meet. Tracktown USA at That's Oregon right. There. Still is, right? Yes, That's absolutely. where the uh, U.S. Olympic trials are held. And yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So we, you were a state champ in the javelin. Yeah, were you recruited for the javelin in college? Um, no, not really. I mean, Ricks had a team, and but no, not really. Yeah. So you end up picking. Uh, you love soccer, obviously, yes. but you pick basketball at Ricks. You yes. get a scholarship, and your uh-huh. dad said you were on a visit or something. They had a yeah. skills competition. <laughs> I'm pulling this from BYU TV's Legends episode. Yeah. If you want to look it up, it's great. <laughs> so there's some competition. You enter it, and you Did okay. win. Yeah. You win the competition or something? Yeah, I mean, get on the radar. Yeah, my dad took me out here. I, you know, my parents both went to BYU. I was planning on going to BYU. Soccer back when I graduated was not. It was mostly East Coast. There, you know, Title IX hadn't really gone into effect. Um, There weren't any Division One college teams. Um, University of Portland was was around, but you know, like Oregon and Oregon State, Washington, none of those back in. 84 was when I graduated from high school. They didn't have Division I basketball or soccer. I mean, they had basketball, not soccer. So I, you know, I wanted to go to school in Utah. I wanted to be around other LDS. I, you know, I didn't grow up around a lot of LDS kids. Um, none of the girls on my team um, were LDS. And I just, I wanted to go to college and be around other, other people that were more, a little bit more like-minded. At some point, there's some influx into Portland of a bunch of members of the church. Because they, they have a temple in 89. Yes, uh-huh. And then it's sort of now it's this flood. Like yes. when you guys have played against Portland, the BYU fans show absolutely. up, which is awesome. My, my in laws included. Yes, they go. absolutely. But but not so much. Not you know, yet. when yeah, not when I was growing up. And so my dad, you know, dad daughter uh, trip out, and we visited the campus of Utah State um, and uh, University of Utah. Um, BYU. I had actually gone to basketball camp a few times here, and that was actually really what I wanted to be able to do was to play basketball at BYU. But the reality was probably not good enough. Um, I was more of a post-type player, and at five seven and a half, you're not going to be a post player uh, in Division One. And I didn't have any sort of guard-type skills, you know, dribbling, outside shooting, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I went up to Ricks to check it out. Um, 
And um, yeah, we didn't plan it, but it was just there. So I went and they offered me a spot on the team and, and a scholarship. And Like based on that performance? Yeah. Really? I think so. Like I don't know what scene. else. It's not like they would have seen like me playing. They had your huddle footage? No, yeah. That, that didn't even <laughs> exist back in my days. Like I'm an old lady. You didn't send so. a VHS in or something? Yeah. So yeah, I do. I remember doing some skills. It was like a tryout. And they just kept contacting me. And I had been accepted to BYU and just planned to go to BYU. But then I was thinking, I had some friends going to Rick's. Um, you know, would it obviously save my parents some money by taking a scholarship and, and helping out that way. You've got so, four younger siblings at home. Yeah, right? exactly. So, yeah. So I thought bunch. I could go give it a shot. And so, yeah, I headed up to Rick's for my first year and loved it. Had a great time, great friends. Great experiences. Um, it was a little too cold for me. And then I miss soccer. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to end up at BYU anyways. Why not just go after my first year? So that was a tough decision because I did enjoy what I was doing up there. And I just felt like I needed to be at BYU. So I kind of just went on my own and came down here on my own. And kind of things just went from there. You missed the national championship season. I did, just you by a year. You would have been here, right? I would have. I would have been in our 84. <laughs> 85, yeah. 85. 85 was yeah. awesome, too. Yeah. That was a 10-3 and 3 team. That was great. Yeah. Um, okay, so you come down to BYU. Mm-hmm. Do, do you come in, like, April, May, once the semester, semester's over or after the summer or something? I just came in the fall. Fall yeah. of 85. Just in the fall. Mm-hmm. Okay, you show up, and yep. you're like, I'm going to play on this gonna club try soccer out. Yeah, team. I'm gonna go oh, check I'm going to try out. Yeah, try out we'll for a club. We'll see if I make it. Yeah. And you try it, you make it? I tried out, and, you know, again, there weren't a lot of experienced soccer players uh, here. And so I was like, wow, I, th- I think my junior high team might have been able to beat this team, to be honest, because I Come was long I, ways. I was fortunate in, in my area in Portland, Lake Oswego, that I was playing in competitive leagues, you know. and So the Oregon's girls' the Oregon soccer, girls scene soccer was, was more advanced. F- way further ahead than okay. anything in Idaho or Utah or gotcha. Nevada. You know, and, you know, a lot of the girls at that time were 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 from Utah. So, yeah, but, you know, my first year, you know, soccer wasn't great, you know, and, and, you know, didn't, it was a club sport back then, you know, we didn't really have much of any sort of priorities other than maybe a place to practice, but... I had so much fun, uh, met such great friends, and just started off my time at BYU as, as, as great as I could have possibly have hoped for. So I loved it, loved it all. So you graduate in, you said, 89. During this time of club soccer, at what point are you thinking about coaching? Or did it take Waterford to and Meridian to sort of uh, give you the idea that this was a possibility? Because you mentioned, yes. okay, you started – Helping with scheduling and budgets, like the coaching things minus the coaching, the management. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing a lot of the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, And all for free, I take it. Oh, for sure. Because it's a club and just love it. Yeah, like we had to pay for our own uniforms. I mean, we, we didn't get anything. For and sure. it's probably like Umbro at this point or it something. It was Umbro. That's a good call. <laughs> Jeremy, you have to come to my office. Oh. I still have Umbro jersey. You have I've an kept Umbro jersey? With the old school Cougar Mountain on it. Yes, that's my favorite. Umbro. That's Royal, called the Beat Digger, and yep. it's the best. Royal Blue. Umbro okay, jersey. I've got some. In the Legends some. episode, there's a photo they dug up. Yeah. And the the design is just yeah. 80s. Totally. It's and the like hair, zigzag too. zigzag. Oh, oh, it's yeah. awesome. No, it's amazing. Hey, they were diamonds in the background. Just like the Umbro logo. Very nice. Super excited about those now jerseys. Nike. I remember. Upgraded a little bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes. when when did you realize, oh, 
Did it take coaching. like actually yeah. coaching a yeah. team? Yeah, I would have. I would have never that. have even thought of it or agreed to it or felt that I had any sort of business coaching had I not at least had an experience coaching high school. I mean, they were two way. Most of the kids didn't know a lot about soccer, but I really enjoyed it. I loved coaching. Mm. I, I that's that was my first experience. You know, I I grew up working in high school soccer camps for my high school coaches. All through high school during the summer, I did soccer camps all summer. That was kind of my job um, in high school. And then all through college, I'd go back and work. So you were getting a taste. Oh, yeah. So I had a little taste of working with kids and coaching and figured I'd be coaching at some point, you know, whether it was my kids or youth. Casually, but maybe not professionally. Never professionally. Never even crossed my mind. Um, But, yes, I had that opportunity to coach high school. I absolutely loved it and then was really surprised when they asked if I would be interested in coaching the club team that very next year. After you graduated? So those are all my friends. So I ended up coaching the club team the year I graduated. So I graduated in April in 89 and started coaching in August or September that very next year with a lot of my really good friends. Was that weird? Yeah, it was. Did they listen to you? They did, I guess, or they would have run me out. I would imagine. I'm, I, I, I guess it worked out all right. Are they are as a club coach? Are you getting paid a little bit at this point, or is it free ninety free? It was pretty free. Um, I had a couple players on the team. What I had one player that was coaching, teaching aerobics, that was making way more money, teaching you know an aerobics class at BYU yes. than me coaching. Eighty nine. Aerobics. Yes, if you could imagine. <laughs> the visual is oh, coming. Oh, it does, yeah. And it was just like that, too. In the Richards building or something? Uh, in the field house. In the yeah, field probably, house. Probably, probably in the Richards building, too. Actually, I don't know where yeah. she taught him. But, Somewhere. But, yeah. yeah, it was probably like $500 a year. That's that's what I was getting. That's, that's what why you were getting. It was a very part-time job. But I spent most of my time how are doing you, it. How are you making money? Are you still Teaching. at Meridian? Full-time teacher. You're full-time teacher at Meridian. Yes. And this. Coaching club on the side. Do you do, and In the club. afternoons. Yeah. Okay. So you're all over it. You're coaching. coaching I'm coaching coach, high coach school. Three teams. I'm coaching. Uh, I was also coaching boys high school at Meridian too. So you're coaching four teams. Um, two at Meridian, BYU. Just three. And okay. Just three. Mm-hmm. Oh, merely three. My yeah, bad. Yeah. Sounds easy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So this is '89. '95 BYU becomes an NCAA sanctioned sport. Yes. What happens in those six years? You're doing this the whole time. Yeah, doing that the whole That's time. Busy, Jen. Really busy. I've always been busy. Um, I always think I've, I've worked hard. Um, I had really amazing opportunities as a very young person that with no experience where people just let me do stuff. I mean, this still I'm happens today to some degree. Yeah, it does. It, if and, you're free and willing, yes. you get a chance to do stuff exactly. that build your resume. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I did. I mean, coach boys, sure, I'll give it a shot, you know. Run the middle school, sure. Why not? Let's do it. So pre-algebra and world Civ? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. So, you know, again, I was just thrown into Great opportunities at a young age. Um, just kind of found my way through it. And I guess it went okay because uh, <laughs> they kept me around. And, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the teaching. I, I enjoyed um, just being in that, that, opp- that, that opportunity to work with, with young kids and youth and to, um, you know, again, help them be excited about learning, help them be excited about competing because I'm still doing the same thing. You're still doing it. <laughs> you've you've mentioned that Ken Marshall, your high school coach, was yes. a massive influence on you. Yeah. And that you still kind of run practices like he ran practices when you played. I did. I, I mean, Ken, um, unfortunately, I haven't really talked to him since I've been a VOA coach. I've tried to find him a little bit, but I, 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 I couldn't really reach back to him because I do owe a lot of, of 
just practice how he ran practice. I mean, a lot of times you're influenced by your former coaches. Um, and he was a guy that I had a ton of respect for. He let, he let us have fun, but he also held us accountable. And he also challenged us and made us feel kind of crappy once in a while in order to make us uncomfortable to push us to be better. And I think that's something that I've tried to do a lot is is to to – to still make sure that you're having fun. I mean, everybody competes it better when they're enjoying themselves, and and there's a lot of pressure on on competition. But 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 pushing people beyond where they're comfortable, um, and holding them accountable to it. You know, there's some hard conversations there. There's some things that it's kind of like a you know a parent where your kids love you one day and say they hate you the next. You know, um, but hopefully in the end they respect what you're trying to do and understand that they. And as a coach, love and, and want you to be better. And sometimes you have to make people go further than what they could do on their own because you believe in them. How have you managed to figure out how different players work in that? Because everyone sort of learns differently. Mm-hmm. Everyone receives feedback differently. Like I quickly understand and don't want to be told once I understand right. more about that I'm, mm-hmm. because I'm embarrassed. Right. Like, let's just move on. I'm yeah, good. Yeah. Like, literally, you know, one of my coworkers, I'll say, uh, well, well, we've ha- we've figured out a phrase uh-huh. for me to say when I say, I understand, let's move on. I say, okay. good chat. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Like, uh, that's like my cup's full. You're right. just pouring water into it and right. it's just spilling over. Yeah. How have you sort of managed that with 18 to 22-year-old women mm-hmm. who all learn and function differently over, what, 27 years now mm-hmm. of coaching BYU specifically? And yeah. What is it, 30 Five plus total? My whole life? Um, That's a good question. I I don't know, but I I do strongly agree with you that everyone is so different. And I think a lot of times when you first start coaching, you think you can treat everyone the same. And you want to like, okay, if they break a rule, we're doing this. Or if they don't do that, we're running. And, you know, and and you really find out that that you, you you have to be accountable. You have to have high expectations. But again, like you said, everybody deals with things differently. And you can't just say certain things that blanket at everybody. You, you have to talk to people differently. You have to find out what motivates and what inspires. You know, some people you can be a little bit more direct with. Some you have to be a little bit more soft-spoken, beat around the bush a little bit, hope they grab onto what you're trying to say. Um, some people you make, you, you make them mad and, and they're like, I'll show her. And that works, you know. And so, yeah. And you know who they are? Yeah. <laughs> you have to. Well, right? kind of. You try. You yeah. try. You're not, you know, you're not always successful in everything that you do. And that's the hard thing about coaching is, you know, you spend so much time and energy and investment and emotion in, in trying to help and inspire and lead and um, help people realize their dreams. But it doesn't always work out. And, and you feel always responsible if it does or if it doesn't. And um, it's, it's a lot. I think people who coach, especially professionally, understand that. But I think for the outside sports fan, they don't realize that, oh, I get a lot of people, oh, you coach those fun girls. That must be so much fun. I go, it is. It's a lot of fun. But wow, it's a grind. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of emotional energy. And there's not much left at the end of the day sometimes. And so I think as coaches, you have to find ways to bring energy even when you don't have it um, and, and allow your team to, to bring you up when, when you don't have it yourself. And so um, yeah, I, I think it's just a an ongoing process of learning. I, I still feel like even as of 
you know, this year that I really sometimes don't think I know what I'm doing. And After 27 I have to, years? Yeah, yeah you have to just remind yourself that, okay, I, I've done some things. I've accomplished some things. I'm okay. You know, but I think that's the same with players. You know, one day, one game, you can feel like you're, you know, the best player in the league or the country. or And then the next the next game, you're like, wow, maybe coach isn't even going to play me this game, you know. And so you battle with that. I think women battle with that a little bit more than men do as far as, you know, confidence in themselves and finding that consistent confidence. That's something that we have to work a lot with um, and, and a lot on, on our team. And I think athletes have changed over the years, too. Uh, a little bit. And so kind of, you know, learning along those lines and then relying a lot on your staff and the people around you to really help out. I mean, certainly I can't take credit for, for everything that's been happening. And I've got so many people around me that have helped me along the way. Um, players that have helped, coaches that have helped, assistants that have helped and friends that have helped and family. So there's a lot that goes into it for sure. So it's, it's hard to have any sort of finite answers to any of those questions because there's just a lot involved. Have you, over the years, noticed changes in your coaching, either philosophy or management or style, as you've learned about the game yourself? Like, Mm -hmm. 95, you're a very different coach than Mm -hmm. you were in 05 and even 15, right? Yes. So what has changed the most for you in terms of sort of how you are as a coach or how you coach? I think, just like you have to tell your players, I've, I've tried to enjoy the journey as much as you can because not every day is great. And not every day's bad. And I think when I was younger, I was, uh, because I started coaching so young, I wanted to make sure there was a line between, you know, friends and coaching. And so a lot of times with young coaches, they want to be liked. They want to be buddies with their players. And, and, and that leads to some issues and some, and, and some things. And so I think from a young age, I really tried to separate myself. Like they're the players and I'm the coach, whether that was good or not. I think it's helped me kind of take on the role as a young coach that, yeah, I am the coach. You guys are the players. And I think I was a little bit more harsh and more kind of toe the line or this and, and, and that sort of thing where now I, I just understand things. I and mean, obviously as you grow and mature and you go through, grow through things, you have a different perspective. And, you know, a lot of times um, I, re- I can say now, oh, they're, they're 18, 19 year olds. I, I have to remember that sometimes they don't have the same perspective as we do as coaches, you know, where when I was younger, I, I would have a hard time and I'd get a lot more angry and upset and mad and, and maybe take it out on the team and, and, you know, I think now that I'm a, a lot older, I, I, I've mellowed out. I think my players would say I, I've mellowed over the years. You still have to have that accountability. You still have to have the expectation of I'm going to push you beyond what you thought you could do, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to drive it into you. Like you've been around me a lot. I'm not much of a yeller. I'll, I'll, no. But, but, but when it's there, I mean, there's been some games, even the last two years, I'm like, I'm going to get my first yellow card to this game, you know? Have you never I had have a never card? got a yellow card or a what? red card really? as a coach. Really? Yeah. Ever? No. Even at uh, Waterford or Meridian? No. Nothing? No. I kind of need this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Can it be on a BYU TV game? There's been close, Yes. <laughs> Sometimes the officials, you know, I don't agree with them very often, and that that's that can get you fired up, and particularly when they're not protecting your players. Mm-hmm. So you've seen a lot of our games where our players get beat up pretty pretty good, and that's that's probably the thing that gets me the most upset is when our players are fouled a little bit more than they should be, and 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 our refs aren't controlling the games. That's that's where I anticipate I'll get my first yellow or red card 
if it happens. Red would have, you'd have to do something pretty extreme. Yeah. Right? Well, I'd probably have to say a few choice Ex- words. I was going to say yeah. expletives, yeah. yes. Which, uh, yeah, you're totally known for. Uh, <laughs> no. What would you have to do to get a yellow? Um, just continually go after the officials. I, I, I mean, that's how most coaches get them, is arguing with them or... Too much. Too much. Yeah, and you know where yeah. that There's line been plenty is, of, and you've uh, never crossed it, I guess. Yeah. And each, yeah. each. It's is not it my it's official. N- yeah, and it's not necessarily my like my nature saying. to do that. Have you that? ever thought about doing it to uh, help your team in some way? Because in basketball, yes. a technical foul is strategic sometimes. Sure. Well, I mean, the girls hear me hear me sometimes, and I'll <laughs> be pretty forceful. But then I'll turn around and I say, Nah, yeah, I'm just trying to watch out for you guys. You know, so you'll tell them the strategy. I'll tell them a little bit once yeah. in a while. I guess yeah. it depends on if we're winning or losing. For losing, then I'm probably not saying anything to them. Um, <laughs> but I mean, and you know, I think that I'm a pretty passionate competitor. Um, so it's not just all fun and games. I mean, I, I'm I'm here to win. I mean, if, if we weren't winning to the level that we do, I there's no way I could do this job. I just I just really don't like losing, and I don't handle it very well. Mm. So if you hadn't won at this level, you might not still be coaching? I would not be coaching. No way. Gotcha. No way. So it's taken this level of success to keep me going. Keep it there. Yes. And at times I still like, huh, I don't know. Well, just, you know, a recent loss that we had, our three our losses that we've had this year. Yeah. They're, they're too devastating for me. And I know our players take it hard, but I know I personally, the coach, take it too hard. And that's... Because you feel responsible, mm-hmm. you know, like as, as, as a coach, when you win, yeah. it's like, oh, the girls played awesome. You know, they did such a great job. But when you lose, it's like, what did I not do to prepare them? Why did they perform this way? You know, and so mm. you feel so much responsibility that you feel like it's, you know, people around you will tell you it's the coaching, you know, if you lose, it's always the coach's fault, you know. Um, but I think that's something that that for me, that's that's something I struggle with. When we lose, I, I feel a lot of responsibility. But as a competitor, I think that's what helps me bounce back and get the team to bounce back as quickly is because we want to fix things and change things and evaluate what went wrong. And the only way you really learn is from losing. I mean, it, it's you don't learn as much when you win. And so it, it takes a few losses here and there. I, I do think you learn a lot more from your failures. Um, you know, you fall down, but you got to get right back up and and – in sports, it's, you know, the next day you got to be ready to, to move on. So you've mellowed in general coaching philosophy, you yes. said, but not necessarily not. with the losses. No. That part is it, is as hot and burning as ever. Absolutely, which I haven't figured out. So if you talk to anyone that ever <laughs> figures that out, please let me know. Is that the case <laughs> with... It's a personality flaw. Well, I have and, lots a, of them. and a strength, right? Yes. Because that's what sort of... Drives me. Yes. 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 To be better. Because I don't like to lose. Well, like you watch The Last Dance, which like everybody that loves sports watched during the pandemic when there was nothing. Right. And you're just overcome with, uh, you know, emotion watching Michael Jordan's that level. It yes. was like nuclear. Yeah. Like any little thing took yeah. it personally. Like that's what he needed to yeah. for. He chose to do that for himself. Yeah. Like for you with, with losses, how do you turn that into sort of motivation and not some sort of sports depression? Sometimes that's what I've had to fight, um, you know, is is putting too much of it on. Just like athletes sometimes put too much on them and um, having to fight that off. I don't know. It's something I do really struggle with. I, I hate losing more than I enjoy winning. Um, 
And and that might just be because I've been doing it so long and it's really all I know. And you've tasted winning a lot. A lot. So and you... so the expectation is there. I expect to win every game we play. And so I can't figure out why we don't win. Like, I, there's not a team that will step on the field that I don't expect. I, I don't we, – we win every game. And that's, that's just not, what we do. That's not coach speak. No. When you say that. No, Especially no, no. the way your program has functioned. Yes. I, I was going through year by year, uh-huh. and I'm like, you started so hot so mm-hmm. early. Yeah. Like year two, you're going 22-2-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you make the NCAA tournament that year, by the way? Because the that um, – two reasons. They only took 32 teams that year. Oh, okay. And the second reason is no one really knew who we were, and we didn't have a really Despite big. Two and one. We didn't have a really big win, and our uh, conference was new, and so we didn't have an automatic bid yet. But I remember that did, specifically I think, right? because I turned to Chris after our last game that we won. And I'm like, we're going to go to the NCAA tournament in our second year because we were ranked, I think, 14th or 15th in the country, and we didn't get a bid. So again, that fires you up even more. Like, okay, we got to schedule, you know, better. But you know, we were just. New. We're just getting started. We were just getting started. Year two is an NCAA sport. Yeah. So there's always been that. Ex- I just, I'm not as much as a competitor, I don't think necessarily off the field. Just like as a person, personality, I don't have to be like Michael Jordan has to win at everything. He bets at everything. He's yes. he's talking smack everywhere to everyone. And that's totally not, <laughs> not me. Um, but I am very competitive on the field come game time. And I think I've always kind of been that way. You and harness I, it in that space. Yes, just in that space. And then I turn it off. Um, I don't turn off the coach mode or thinking about the players of the game, but I'm not that competitor off the field as much. That's interesting because one of the worst things for me at home was that I got an opinion-based talk show. So when I go home, I think, yeah. oh, everyone still wants to hear what I have to yes. say about this. No. no. Whitney's like, I don't <laughs> care about that or whatever, right? Yeah. She's yep. like, in the nicest way possible. She's yeah. like, I don't, I'm good. Yeah. You know, or whatever. It's like, wait, no, turn it off. Right. Turn and the other off. thing is anywhere I go, people want to talk what I do. Yes. And I really just really You'd try to deflect that. And so, because it is, it's hard to separate the coach and the person. And, yes, and, it, like, and for anybody, is life, it is my life. But it's not everything you do. I try to remind myself that. But it, it, it is my whole life and personality. But I, I try not to be that all the time. Yes. But it's hard because people. This is what they know you that's for. That's what they know you for. Yeah. So they want to yes. talk. You go to church on Sunday. Oh, you know. Let's talk you, about the game. Or, yeah, or anywhere you go. Yes. Um, but, you know, again, that, that's a good thing. And. You just have to There's try and find and the balance, right? And yep. and sometimes I'm more balanced at it at others, I guess you could say. Okay. When you were younger, mm-hmm. you had balance in the form of uh, playing the violin and piano? Yeah. Were you pretty good? Well, you know, just like anything, I could do a little bit of everything. Not yeah. exceptional, but yeah. I played <laughs> in the junior youth philharmonic. Nice. Played the violin, loved the piano. But again, you can only have so much time for things. I sang in all the choirs in high school. Nice. I love music. Alto, soprano. Yeah, my second life, you know, would be I'd want to be a rock star. But yeah, yeah. Like what kind of? We're talking like traditional. It's changed like, over the years. <laughs> what kind of? Yeah, what? Because you've said you like hip hop and uh, yeah. rap too. So yeah, I like every. I love Barbara Streisand and Amy Grant, and right now I'm really into symphonic metal. Um, symphonic metal. Yes, my girls will give me a hard time, but yes. <laughs> I am. That's great. Nightwish, if anyone wants to look Night that up. Nightwish. Nightwish. Flor- even... Flor Janssen is my uh, inspiration Like right a now. Finnish dude or something? She. She? Sorry. She is, yes, one of the best singers in the world right now. Nightfish. Nightwish. Night They're from wish. Finland. 
Yes. From Finland. Okay, she's I got from, the country right. She's Sweet. from Deutschland. Oh, she's from? Yes, but is in a Germany, Finnish band. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so if you... So right now, yes. you know, you, you, you find the lamp and you get a <laughs> wishes or whatever. Yeah. What kind of musical group are you the lead singer of right now? Like, are you a solo act? What genre of music? Like, what are we doing here? Oh, I'd want to be in a band for sure, not a solo act. You like act. the group dynamics? Absolutely, the group dynamics, yes. Oh, I don't know. I Like I said, I really enjoy all types of music. I love theater, uh, musical theater. I love... What are your favorite musicals? Oh, sound of Music. Sound of Music, so yes. good. I showed my kids that last Yes. Time, I loved it. We've been to Salzburg as a team, and our team on is planning to go shows. there this year, and I couldn't believe the amount of girls on our team who have not seen The Sound of Music. How it's a tragedy. It is. I think I need to show it as a team meeting or something. Yes. Because who Classic. has not seen The Sound of Music? It's still the best show ever. Okay, that's the one you like the most. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty oh, good. Oh, I also like... Um, the only DVD I ever bought was the one with Nicole Kidman. Um, Musical Moulin, Moulin Rouge. Rouge. Love it. Literally, my <laughs> wife and I were singing from that last yes. week. In the Are you serious? It's so good. Yes. We it's love, the only DVD I've ever bought. She doesn't like to sing a ton, but she'll sing Yes. That. See? Yes. yes. Ewan McGregor, minds. Nicole yes. Kidman. So I good. I love it. Yes. I love Moulin Rouge. Epic. Yes. It's like this medley of, yes. yeah, if you haven't seen Moulin Rouge, you need to. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the story is interesting, but the music is amazing. Abs- yes, the yes. music is amazing. <laughs> yeah, we won't go into the story if you, if you haven't seen Moulin Rouge. Yes, yes it's so good. Yeah. Okay. I've seen the real Moulin Rouge, too, which is kind of cool. Oh, in, yeah. in, uh, in Paris, Paris, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay uh, let's, let's stay in Europe. <laughs> so the NCA lets you, if you raise the money and mm-hmm. whatnot, go on these international trips every mm-hmm. four years. Yes. I'm still trying to just sneak into Greg Rubel's luggage and yes, go on one of these Yes, so we've taken you. Greg. And yeah. yeah, he's on board again, him and his wife. It's where, fantastic. Where are you guys going the next one? So the plan is, if it's approved, obviously with the pandemic, uh, we were supposed to go two years ago. It got you know shut down. But we've been able to go every four years. Um, but uh, this year, the plan is to go into uh, Croatia. Nice. The coast of Croatia, Slovenia. Everyone says it's underrated. Absolutely. That's why we're going. I haven't yes. been there before. Um, been to a lot of places over there with the teams. I think we've done five of these. And I've done a lot of coaching coaches trips uh, in Europe as well with the soccer coaches and watched a lot of European games, which has been fantastic. But, yeah, Croatia, Slovenia, and then into uh, Austria, to Salzburg and Vienna. Mm, that's so, going to be amazing. Really fun. We've been uh, with the team to the Salzburg and Vienna portion so i've been to those places and they're fantastic and this is next summer this april hopefully this april yes that's awesome yeah. okay are you gonna in croatia yes. do you have a chance to go any of the krasimir chosic stuff the men's basketball guy have you heard of this guy yes i have heard of this guy but i do if things a little city. differently than other teams so we go on foreign tours for the cultural experience meaning we like to sightsee go on tours and shop we play a little soccer on and the then side. A little soccer. Yeah, <laughs> a little soccer on the side. After ten days of ten hours of touring, we'll drive some players and play a soccer game. So I just think that it's not often that that these girls will have a, a chance to go to. You know, we've been to all through Italy and England and you know different places. And why not learn as much about that culture yes. and the history? And you know, as a World Civ teacher, obviously right? the architecture, the buildings. The art. Is that Baroque or Rokuko? Yes, you exactly. Know, what, what All the that? art yeah. over there is something that I enjoy. And if if I'm going to take a team and most of their parents, a group of 80 to 90 people, I, I want to do something that I enjoy as well. So um, we can play soccer here. And, and for the women in general, it's changed a lot in the last five years. But when we first started doing these 
trips, women's soccer was so much further ahead in the U.S. than anywhere uh, in Europe. You won 31 to nothing on a trip. We, a we, we, no, not quite right? like that, but, but close. Our, <laughs> our goalies were scoring goals, so, um, which was kind of sad and in a way really good for the girls to see how good they've had it growing up because mm. the men over there had so much and the women, it really wasn't, you know, even in South America too, you know, the women didn't play soccer. It was, it was a men's sport. And again, that has changed quite a bit in the last five to 10 years, dramatically in the last five years with the Women's World Cup and, and the national teams and the, and the professional teams now in Europe. But when we first started on these trips, it, it wasn't the case. So the soccer wasn't necessarily what we were going for as much. Soccer was an avenue to get us over there, and we were still playing soccer. But it was more team building, um, having the girls together and traveling together and having different experiences other than soccer. That's cool. And that's yeah. how you really get to know someone Absolutely. is traveling. Honestly, Absolutely. That's the Absolutely. best way. Yeah. Okay. On one of these trips you mm-hmm. took in the past, your luggage got lost for yes. like a week or I something? I was like the only, I think, you know, we, we allow parents to go um, with us. So, you know, we'll take a group of 80 to 90 people. That's a- Massive for group. 12 days. Like yeah. how many buses are we talking? Two or three? Two full. Two full, two full buses, buses with a huge trailer on the one of the buses pulling a lot of the luggage. Um, but yeah, for some reason, mine was the only one that showed up missing. And then we were at a different place each night, it seemed, because again, you're going to go over there. You might as well see as much as you can. Yep. Stay in one place for you know the whole time. So we're hopping to hotels. So every day it's like, oh, we're going to have it there tonight. And then it didn't make it. But then we're at another hotel. And so... For a week, I didn't have any luggage other than, you know, the air. The airport gave me a little, you know, emergency T-shirt and toothbrush and stuff. So. So you just alternated between what I you kinda had on did. you and that. Yeah, I mean, I had, you know, I yeah, I didn't have much, and then I didn't want to spend a lot of money because I kept thinking my bag was going to show up the next day. So. Did you have to buy a bag to put the stuff you were buying in it? <laughs> how did How did that work? Well, I didn't buy that much, so. It all worked out. I don't actually. You know, and when girls travel, we always bring a full extra bag that we stuff in the suitcase so we can bring back way more. I was going to say, where was that bag if it was lost? Uh, Well, I finally got it. Oh, you did? I finally got it. Yes, at the end. So you're kind of of taking random bags with you. Out of 10 days, I didn't have my luggage for about seven of the 10 days. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be tough. Yeah. It's it's fine. Yeah. Okay. um, You've had some amazing teams. Yes. Three in the Elite Eight. Oh, 3 12 19. Yeah. Which one's the greatest team in BYU history? Ooh, that's really hard to say. Um, I think our 2012 team was a pretty special team. I think our 2019 team that lost to South Carolina before we got to uh, the Elite Eight, or was that Elite Game? I don't know. I get a lot of them mixed up. I 19 think- was the Stanford Team. Oh, that the didn't Stanford lose team. Until the so very the year before game. that, eighteen was yeah. was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know last year's team was pretty good too. You know, um, I really like our team this year and the way we're playing. But yes, I have been fortunate over the years to coach an unbelievable amount of fantastic young women for sure. Um, some years we had some tough draws, so didn't get as far as maybe we should have. Um, the Santa Claras and the Stanfords kind yes. of going on the road. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's maybe that's why twelve is unique because mm-hmm. you hosted the yes. Elite Eight game, and yeah. it was an epic match with North Carolina. Ab- absolutely, it was wild. It was, and it was so close. And you know, that's one of the very few games that I was okay with losing. You know, so often, you know, again, don't like to lose. 
But then usually you lose your last game because we've been fortunate to get to the NCAA tournament. And so you're always ending your season on a frustrating loss. Um, But that North Carolina game, I mean, we had a great team, but, you know, they were probably a little better than us. And even though we had chances to win, you know, in soccer, for sure, not always the best team wins. That was one of the games that I was just really proud to be a part of. I mean, it was we had and I remember that the Southfield was full when we came out to warm up and because it was North Carolina and because we had had such a great season. um, That is a a very big memory uh, for me and that group of girls, um, some really dynamic players and personalities. And we had just been through a lot together. Um, and to have that experience against North Carolina, you know, Crystal Dunn scored the winning goal. You know, she's not too bad of a player, right? Um, <laughs> she's amazing. But that's the other fun thing is to see, you know, most of the women's national team players playing right now. We've had a chance. I've had a chance to play against uh, during their college time. Um, but yeah, 2012 was a really special year for sure. And but you know, we've we've had some good ones. I remember 2003, um, a, a great group of seniors that year. Lost to UConn, a game we shouldn't have lost. Um, but, yeah, great great memories. Final Four is the only thing that's really missing on the resume. but yeah. you, And you've been right there. Been there so Several close. times. It feels like it's just It's what keeps me inevitable. coming back, to be honest. Really? I mean, that one thing. That one thing, you mm. know. I, I've, I get, I've got to experience so many great things, so many great players, so many great games and matches and chances in the NCAA tournament. And we've played about every big team there is and all over the country. But... Yeah, it's eluded me uh, for sure. It eluded our program. Um, we've just been really close, but I think that's what kind of keeps me coming back, hoping that maybe. But I've also come to terms that you know it might not happen. But you know, uh, I still got a year or two in me, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully, it's more than that. But <laughs> let's talk about that. Was there ever? I mean, you've been here twenty-seven years. Yeah. Were you ever seriously tempted to take another good job? Have you even had to update mm-hmm. your resume at any point like a normal person? <laughs> um, and, and yeah, how long do you want to go? So the first answer is I've actually never wanted to coach anywhere but BYU um, because of everything that BYU stands for and the church and the environment. Um, I figure it's a dream job. Um, I... I've had plenty of opportunities to go lots of different places, um, but I have no desire to. I don't so know never super intense. I don't know if that's good or bad, um, but I just I haven't. Um, I've thought about not coaching many times, thinking I you know I've had my time. It's time to move on. Probably some people are thinking the same thing. Maybe you should move on. But um, <laughs> twenty-seven <laughs> you just, years—you you never time. know. It's a long time. Yeah. Um, but I've never had a desire to. I mean, Chris and I used to joke about going to you know, like Oregon because I'm from Oregon. Mm-hmm. I always say I'm I'm part duck. You know, my brothers. You were a duck fan. My brothers and my my brothers play football, and so the ducks were a big part of our family and 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 that sort of thing. So. I thought that was well. Across their Nike school, they got the best facilities, yeah, and you know all that off. stuff. We've played there several times, and so yeah. I mean, you go out to these different places, and you're like, oh, it'd be kind of cool. Or they got all this fancy stuff, but you know, it's not really all about that. Um, so in the reality, I've really never desired to go coach anywhere else. Although I thought about doing a different career and not doing college coaching, um, that's been more of a thought. You know, at what point do you stop and move on? Um, but never wanted to coach anywhere else. And you've been so successful that you've never, ever necessarily been forced to have to think that way. 
This has been yeah. an independent thought. Yes. Which is yes. the most comfortable, amazing thing ever. Yes. Yet, year to year, you're probably thinking. Oh, for sure, every year. Oh, I'm a year away. Yeah. Like, as a coach, yeah. the reality is, hey, at some point, I, I'm likely going to get fired. That's yeah. what co- happens That's coaches. part of our career that we all know right? that it's a reality. Assist, assistant our coach job. contracts yep. are one year. Head coach contracts one year. are are they one year as well or one year? Where okay. where I could go somewhere else and secure a five year contract. It's unique. which is most common in women's soccer. Yes. is three to five year contracts. So, so from ours the outside, is year to year. From the outside, it's like yes. oh, there's job security. Uh, it's year, when you're on a one year yeah. deal. <laughs> I'm sure it's a little nerve wracking. That it way. is. But here we are 27 years later. Right. So how do you sort of manage those emotions of, hey, I still want to be in the Final Four. Yes. I love BYU. Yeah. I'm on a, uh-huh. all these things, right? You've built this empire, which, yes. by the way, it's you haven't just built a soccer team. You've uh-huh. built a soccer program that includes a brought-in video board and upgraded right. facilities uh-huh. and this home field with amazing fans and the mm-hmm. TV audience. And now you have – Radio the last couple of years. Yeah. What college soccer team has a radio Nothing deal? Nothing like, like we have. Like Greg Rebell's going on no, the road with it's you. It's the best. We sucked him into the team, and now which is awesome. It's so fun. So how so do you fun. sort of uh, manage all of that, knowing kind of what you built? Yet, at some point, maybe you retire and you're done. And mm-hmm. you, who knows? There's a lot yeah. going on there. Yeah, and you know, I always said, um, you know, Carolyn Billings was hired on to be the trainer when I was hired on to be the coach. So we've kind of been through all of this. And we used to always joke, well, she did, I did. I said, I am not coaching past 50. There is no way in the world that I am doing this past 50. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you your age, but you're older than 50. Right? I am older, quite a bit older than 50 um, right now. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's like, I think if you'd asked me 15 years ago, I probably would have said maybe one or two more years. You know, I think if you had asked me in 2017 when we struggled and didn't go to the tournament, you, I probably would have said, I'm done. And sometimes in my head, I'll say, I'm done. And then, you know, I love what I do most of the time. And I love competing. And when you fail, you want to get up and prove that, no, nope, I still got it, you know, and the girls still can do it. So it's just kept me going. It's, it's been a great job. It's taken good care of me. I don't know. I don't know how much longer I can do it, but... I right now just focused on this next month um, with and I've had this senior class for two years now and I'm just trying to help them be their best and help this team achieve the most that it can achieve this season and then kind of think about the future after that. Well, hopefully you're here for several more years, but if not, it's been an incredible run and we'll get to that point later. Mm -hmm. Okay. In a very different uh, topic, Mm -hmm. you dirt bike. Uh, I used to dirt bike. You were into that for a spell. I was. It was really fun. It's very challenging. Um, Do you still have the dirt bike? I do. It's uh, so I mountain biked a lot when I was, you know, in college. I first started. My mom grew up in Moab, Utah, so I was out doing slick rock before anyone knew what Moab and slick rock was. Nice. So you know, with a dirt bike, it's very technical in that sense, but with way more power um, and a lot faster. So I really enjoyed that. So. Uh, yeah, I I did. I picked that up very late in my um, life, so um, I crashed pretty hard on it, and I really haven't got back up on it since then. <laughs> the one I crash? Diso- I dislocated my shoulder mm. pretty well several years ago, and um, I've purchased a razor, a four-seater, so nice. it's I can kind of do the same thing, but it's a Be lot easier in. to drive and um, 
yeah, not as much risk. And if there is an accident, you can be yes. Kind of I, I don't. I'm not going to do yeah. crazy enough things. Where a motorcycle, I was still such a novice that, you know, just going downhill in rocky situations, and that's where I fell um, up in the mountains on a switchback. And were just, you by yourself? No, I was with a friend, but oh, gotcha. I we had to flag someone down to in a car. Luckily, it was on a holiday, and so there were some cars up there and to get you to, get the, me to the ER. Yeah. How long did you have to travel before you got your? It was just shoulder. up Hobble Creek. I was almost. I was. I was, oh, it was up Hobble Creek. Yeah, so up right Fort Canyon. You know, you can go all the way to Strawberry, and it's the most beautiful ride. You can do it on a dirt bike or a razor, a mountain bike. And and I was just coming back, and I was almost down to where right Fort Canyon. It, it turns back into the, you know, the pavement, and it just it's a switchback, and I just hit it too fast in some loose gravel and. Thought I was going to go off the cliff, and so I bailed and, yeah, punched my shoulder right out. Wow. So. And your friend was behind you? Uh, yes, of? yeah. But and she's a lot her. more experienced than I am. Gotcha. But, yes, I, I'm, I was kind of a beginner. Gotcha. Whoa. Probably well. going places I shouldn't be as a beginner. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my worst crash. Obviously, I've crashed more than that, but, yeah. But that was the worst one? <laughs> yeah, oh, and as you get older, you, you don't recover as well. And the thought of her you know, getting in those kind of accidents. You know, you don't think that when you're younger, but as you get older, you're a little bit more mindful of it. Yeah. You don't heal quite, and everything aches a little bit more. Yeah. So, What else are you into that I don't know about? Oh, I don't really do much but soccer. But You're a little busy. Uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I love being outside. I love being outdoors. I've. You still have a place in St. George? I have a home in St. George. That's I, awesome. I don't get to it very often, but when I do, I'm sure it's, the equity it's, in that place is still. It's now. gone quite. Yeah, it's <laughs> been a good investment. Yes, um, but no, I just I love being outside. I love being in nature. I've got a couple dogs, um, so I'm outside a lot every got morning. Got a couple dogs. What yeah. are their names? What got kinds? Gracie, a little Visla, and uh, Sophie, uh, a German Shepherd. So ooh, a German Shepherd. They're a handful. Nice. Yes, they're a handful. Two dogs. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, we just got a dog like a year ago. Awesome. So that's They're been a really fun. Yeah. That's a Rex. He's a black lab. Awesome. It's great. <laughs> well, uh, your program's in such an amazing place. Do you Thank ever you. sit there and think, oh, this used to be this little lowly club, and now mm-hmm. we've you're one of the powers in women's soccer in terms of the way the team plays, mm-hmm. the crowds you get, and the exposure to the program with TV and radio. Yeah, it's you know it's it's, it's pretty unique the the opportunity that, that I've had here because and and really fun once in a while <clears throat> to share with some of the girls on the team or just people that I mean I used to we used to play our game field was on Haas where we practice now and <clears throat> when we were a club team sometimes I knew they would forget to set up the chairs and stuff for our game so I would go to Meridian and I'd put folding chairs in my little Jetta. And bring my stereo for the music. And then I would print out our programs at the school. And, you know, my brother was our announcer. And the other brother would sing the national anthem. And I have painted the lines out on Haas myself. And so, you know, I've had a chance to do, I've had a chance to do a lot of everything. And so, yeah, I, I do take a lot of pride in the program. And uh, as do I know all the players that have come through at different times, and it's always the older ones telling these young girls that they have so much more. Um, but yeah, I mean, back in the day, we had to drive in vans. You know, I I drove a, a team of fifteen in a fifteen passenger van, fourteen players, and we were actually in the car into California more than we were out the car competing. So you know, you look back, and now we get a drive in a nice bus, and I don't have to drive vans, and we don't have to worry about 
losing people and now you got cell phones you know back in the day we had maps out and you know <laughs> we, we would uh, store our luggage on top and put tarps over uh, those big vans and so we're, we're, we're really well taken care of. But there was a lot of work and a lot of people that came before me and that were alongside the people like Elaine Michaelis and Ann Valentine, who did so much for the women's athletics programs here. Um, you know, before Tom and Brian and Liz came, um, they've just continued to build on it from then, from there. Well, it's super fun to watch. And it has been for the last, I guess, how many ever years I've been paying attention to this program 15 i guess which has been yeah. awesome yeah we try Just and every play year it. it's like yeah. you're always gonna be good it's how good right yeah exactly an exciting brand of soccer mm-hmm. where what's the influence of that by the way some teams are like we'll counter we're gonna play yeah. defensive boring yeah for you sure want, you want shots on we goal. Go. you want to go you yeah. want to go i think just when i first started and really didn't know really what i was doing i mean i was a division one coach with no division one experience just club experience at BYU so obviously back then I was reading and watching you know I was watching those not even DVDs I was watching track tapes of Anson Dorrance and reading everything he wrote and and just fall you know had the Dutch 4v4 soccer book and I, I just read a lot of books on coaching and leadership um, and you know Anson just played a million miles an hour so I was just trying to you know kind of copy you know, the best. And, and if it worked for them, maybe that's something that we could do. And, you know, when we first started, we didn't have a lot of girls who had maybe a ton of soccer experience, but we had great athletes who worked really hard. And so that's kind of how we were able to start having that success is we're going to outwork you on the field, right? And uh, we're going we're gonna to be more fit than you are. We're going to play a high press and make you extremely uncomfortable. And it's just something that we, as we've gotten more talented and technical and experienced players, you still have control over those things. So now you add the technical part to the, you know, we're going to outwork you. We're going to be more fit than you. We're going to come after you. And when we lose the ball, we're going to win it right back so we can come at you some more. Um, it's an exciting style for the girls to play because it's, uh, it's like we're going after you. We're, we're, you know, it's, it's kind of a positive mindset as opposed to what do we have to make adjustments to to deal with this team that we're not as good as. So it always gives you that opportunity to say, hey, we expect to win. This is why. This is what we do. And it's, it's proven to be successful over the years. So we haven't really changed the, the style of the way we've played. We've just tried to get better at it. Well, hey, it's good TV and yeah. radio, you know? Yeah. We like that, too. We always tell the girls <laughs> that if you want fans to come, you got to score goals and play exciting soccer. Otherwise, they're not going to come. And I True. think that's something that our fans have appreciated and enjoyed is the girls play hard. They run hard. Uh, and they you can see when things are going well, they're having a blast on the field. And that's contagious. And people want to come see that. And there are such tremendous role models for younger kids. You know, so many young kids, young girls playing soccer right now. And most of the girls on my team right now were young fans that came and were ball girls when they were eight and nine years old. Um, and they remember those experiences. And they came to the camps. And, um, you know, we've got we're set for the next two years with our recruits to to keep moving, just reload every year and keep moving forward. What kind of difference will the Big 12 make? Because women's soccer in the West Coast Conference is really good. Yeah. It's not like it's this massive upgrade necessarily to go to the Big yeah. 12 because of how good the WCC has been. Exactly. I, I think, you know, we've played a lot of the teams, really familiar with a lot of teams and played a lot of the teams in the Big 12. Obviously, it's such a huge thing for our athletic department, football and basketball, and anything that is great for for football is great for all of us. There's no question, as they support all the 
all the Olympic sports so much. And so for us, though, um, I think top to bottom, maybe the competition will be a little bit better week to week. Um, but I wouldn't say the top three or four are any better than what the top three or four are in the WCC. So we would go in with the same expectation that we've always had is we would go in to expect to win and compete for a conference championship right from the, right from the very start. And that'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be different road trips, right? Yes, different road trips to, to really nice facilities. The facilities in the Big 12 are fantastic from what we've seen. Um, but, yeah, just exciting. Something new, something different is always exciting. We've talked about this before in our kind of pregame meetings, but are there any teams that you haven't scheduled that you still want to? Um, I haven't been to Duke and I haven't been to North Carolina. Um, so those are, those are a couple places that I really like to play. Um, and, but other than that, you know, I, these last few years, as I, as I know things are coming kind of to an end, I've gone to a few places that haven't been, you know, going to Arkansas and Auburn this year are two places I hadn't been. So that was a lot of fun. So but yeah, I, I I do the scheduling, so we, we can we can pick and choose where we go. Yeah, <laughs> where do I want to play yeah. slash visit? Yeah, yeah exactly. I've been to a lot of the schools, a lot of the big schools for yeah. sure. It's been fun. That's awesome. Well, Jen, your program's so fun to watch. Thanks for taking uh, a while to uh, chat here on Deep Blue. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, that'll do it for us. Listen to previous episodes on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found. For Jen Rockwood and producer Tanner Graff, I'm Jerem Jordan. You just listened to Deep Blue on BYU Radio.